This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 133 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we talk with Dr. Sam Sofer and Olympian Bodie Miller on air filtration systems for barns. Critters of the show are the birds Patty likes to watch. And in Critter Nutrition, we focus on quercetin for horses. Listen in. I'm Tigger. And I'm Patty. And this is Coach Jen. Welcome back to, to Healthy Critters Radio. Thanks for joining us. We stop by your earbuds twice a month and geek out on all things healthy, emotionally, physically, etc. for every kind of creature. Um, dinosaurs, doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. We like ourselves some raptors. <laughs> we like ourselves yeah. some raptors. <laughs> I think they're in the, the, the really cool closing, aren't they? Yeah, and you know, uh, chickens are raptors. They're just you know, twenty first century raptors. Twenty first century raptors. There you go. And I yeah. have I have four legged raptors at the moment. <laughs> really? You do? Yes, I do. I have fuzzy raptors that are puppies. They're fluffy, and, and they're fluffy, and um, they are teething, <laughs> so they're raptorish. Raptors. So how how old are the puppies as we record this here episode? Five, almost, and it'll be six weeks in um, a day. They're they're gonna just oh. about six week old. So they're up and about uh-huh. and crawling all over. Oh god! Oh yeah, running, running. Now do they Galloping. do they spend the night Galloping. in the whelping box with Mama, or do they insist upon crawling out and oh, sleeping no, no, no. where they're Mama gonna get has long, Mom has long since split. Oh. She. She only steps in to um, do occasional house cleaning and let them have a little milk. They're, they started on food now because she just, I mean, you know, that, that poor girl, she's been taking care of them for a while and, you know, they need to be supplemented and, you know, move on to real food. So we're in that stage. You're not and wow. um, oh, yeah, they, they have- sleep without their mom and. Oh, wow. And we go, we have adventures. Um, they go out in the living room at least twice a day. And I spread out a, you know, a, a waterproof uh, cover over the part of the, you know, mm-hmm. we have an area rug. And just throw pu- that on. Puppies will pee where puppies will pee. Yeah, they will. Although, aha, uh-huh, I have a really cool puppy training thing that... It's these grass mats. They look like grass. You know, you've mm-hmm. seen the artificial turfy things, and they come in a tray. Those puppies are already using it. <gasps> wow. wow. That's yep. awesome. It's awesome. Um, so they come out and play with toys, and then once a day, I take them out into the grass, into the great outdoors. And that's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Oh, I bet. Because they're, they're, they're fascinated by it, and they like to, you know, bite on a grass spear and then run around and roll in it. And, um, you know, I'm trying to give them exposure because they'll, 
in a relatively short time, you know, go on to their new human and I want them to be kind of conditioned, mm-hmm. you know. So, so they're you, used to yeah. How do you get them up. from the house to out of doors? Do you gather them all up in a big armload? Do you put them in a wash basket? No, I do it two by two. So <laughs> one, you know, one <laughs> under each arm and hand and um, because there's steps and I don't want the they're puppies not big to have to do to steps. Do yeah. Step. No, 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 they'll no. Go, they'll so, go end over end. <laughs> yeah. Ass over tea kettle, as they say. So they get carried out to um, the great outdoors. And one of oh. them is, you know, very adventurous. So I've had to like move puppy gates to keep her away from the log pile. And cause she'll go off on her own adventures. And I'm like, hello. Which one's that? Which one's that? that Miss Feisty Pants is what I call feisty her. Pants. Miss Feisty her Pants. Feisty Pants. Okay, that's adorable. Feisty is uh, a great name. Um, oh, she's and she's the littlest. She's the runt, and but don't tell her that because she thinks she's King Kong. Um, yes. Yeah. So oh, life with puppies, it's entertaining. It's so joyful. It's a lot of work. But what, watching their personalities emerge and then encouraging them to, you know, be who they are, I find just about one of the most rewarding things I've done in a long time. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be a prolific breeder. I may breed once a year, but um, it, it's a very joyful thing and and it's it's so cool to see them get confident and meet the other dogs and, you know, deal with, you know, like I, I threw a pan down on the ground so they could hear a loud noise, you know, so that the, yeah. when they go to their new homes, they're not going to go, ah, oh, my God, I never I've heard never. that before. So, yeah. you know, exposing them to a lot. And they're going to go on uh, their first car trip <laughs> this week. Oh, God help boy. me. Oh, yeah. boy. But we have quite a show coming up. We do. Uh, we do. That has nothing to do with puppies, but it does have to do with something that affects puppies, and that's air quality and the importance of, of clean, good air for humans and horses and dogs and puppies. So let's go. I am delighted to be here today with Dr. Sam Soffer of BioOx and Bodie Miller, the uh, well-known Olympic alpine skier, world champion, gold, Olympic gold medalist. But we're here to talk about air. And Dr. Sam has developed a really interesting air filter that can be used in barns or kennels. I, I, I think you could probably use it in industry, but we're going to focus on the benefits of this system for barns. And as everybody knows, COPD in horses and and the equine allergy and asthma syndrome is growing. It used to be uncommon. Now it's becoming more common. So it's really great timing. Here we are in the spring with all the pollen um, to talk to Dr. Sam. So welcome, Sam and Bodie. And I'm going to start with Sam. You are the inventor of this system. Yes? Yeah. Yes, I am. And what, what was the inspiration to um, make our air better? Well, I was lucky. I had some good uh, jobs 
and I learned a lot. And uh, uh, I was hired by the New Jersey Institute of Technology to uh, uh, as a biotechnology sponsored chair. And uh, so when I got here in New Jersey, uh, they were really interested in um, pollution control and destroying all kinds of uh, toxins. So it t- turned out to be a good match. Uh, I was a specialist in designing biological reactor- reactors. These are um, reactors are that which takes in, for example, pollution and oxidizes it. It changes it. It takes okay. gasoline and burns it, so to speak, biologically. It's biological oxidation. So uh, we worked on that, and we did a whole lot of studies on that. We learned that uh, we could use these microorganisms, our consortium, they work together. They're a group of microorganisms that just work together, and they have this intelligence. So if suddenly they get exposed to, let's say, gasoline fumes or ammonia, a gas like ammonia, they react to destroy it, and they all work together to destroy it. So uh, it turned out to have been an ideal combination to have uh, these microorganisms be inside an air scrubber. It's actually uh, more of a scrubber than it is a filter. What it does is it washes the air, just like our lungs wash the air, so to speak. This washes the air with water that contains enzymes. And after it uh, washes the air, it captures all these uh, pollutants. The enzymes eat the pollutants, very much like we eat chocolate. And uh, so we can, yeah, so we can keep track of them. So we're very lucky to have these. But these enzymes come from Mother Nature in the first place. They come from the earth. They're they're soil uh, microorganisms. They're not genetically engineered or anything. Are they soil-based organisms? Yes. That's how. That's what's you know when they sometimes say there was an oil spill, but we'll wait for the waves to clean it up. These enzymes are what's cleaning it up. These uh, enzymes cleaned the planet before people were people, you know. And so now we can use the same thing that the the planet uses to clean itself, to clean the air and water and so on. What is the difference between an air filter for a barn and an air purifier? Is there a difference? Oh, yes. Uh, an air scrubber, basically. But an air filter, you try to suck the air in and push it through some kind of a filter. Yeah. And what happens is there's two problems with that. One is some things in air are not suckable. In other words, they form an, uh, like an aerosol, very much like an aerosol. And... Um, you can try to pull the air out of the barn all you want, or you can open the windows and let the wind blow through all you want. But some things are not going to go away, like ammonia doesn't go away, and it's a toxin that the horses need to get rid of. And so what happens is when they urinate in their stall, uh, that ammonia uh, comes right back up and they breathe it again. So they're breathing their own toxin over and over again. And it turns out that ammonia will not blow away with a big, powerful fan Uh, Some of it will, but not all of it. And uh, it won't blow away by opening the windows and doors. Uh, You have to capture it. And the way we capture it is in our um, scrubber, when we wash the air, the water is electrically neutral, so it captures the aerosols. So with a scrubber, you can capture the smallest particles. Like ammonia is much, much, much smaller than a virus. So uh, you can capture ammonia, you can capture viruses, you can capture anything if you wash them. 
with the air. But after you, uh, you have to attract them first. You can't just suck them in. So you attract them by having this waterfall, and this waterfall is grounded, and so that's where the toxins end up going. So this waterfall is is self-contained in in a unit, in I guess. Scrubber. The scrubber. Yeah, in the so in the scrubber mm-hmm. is the water and the enzymes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that is going to attract the toxin or the virus? to that scrubber okay so when the air comes into the scrubber it's going to go in many different directions and when it does that it's going to go past uh, these waterfalls that we've created on the side walls so it's like going between two walls with a waterfall on each side and this waterfall because it's electrically grounded captures charges from far away like uh, you could have a stall 100 feet away and an air cleaner air scrubber that's, that's 100 feet from the, from the horse and from the stall, will begin to attract uh, those uh, um, ammonia molecules that are charged, and it'll begin to attract them from very far away. So wow. that's one thing it does. Yes. And another thing it does is, of course, you still have to suck air, and we do. It has a fan. So it has a pump that creates the waterfall. It has a fan that pulls air through it, and also gives oxygen to the enzymes because the enzymes are alive just like we are, just like the mm-hmm. horses are. And uh, so basically what it does is uh, instead of the horse's lungs washing out the air, this scrubber washes out the air for the lungs and really helps. You know, we all breathe at least 20,000 times a day. So air is very, very, very important. Uh, you know, as people, we need 100 pounds of air every day but only one pound of dry food and 10 pounds of water. So we are what we breathe. We're not what we eat, you know, just to cover just to, just to, uh, say well, that, I like that. <laughs> well, it's true though. You know, most people, when you say, well, what is it that's most important, you know, and they think, and they say like donuts or water or coffee or whatever, you know, uh, to be funny, but they all breathe a lot while they're thinking. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so because of that, okay. So that's the first thing that happens. So this is a lung assist device. It washes the air for them. And then the enzymes are a liver assist device because right now the poor horse, it has to rebreathe. It has to rebreathe its own. Uh, this holds true for dogs too. It has to rebreathe its own air uh, and its own ammonia over and over again and detoxify itself over and over again. So instead, these enzymes are detox- detoxifying it for the horse. So the horse has less stress on its liver uses up less oxygen, and the oxygen level of the horse goes up. We actually have data on this. Bodhi, uh, uh, Bodhi is the one who introduced me to horses. He called me and said, hey, you know what? Um, let's try this thing out. That's, okay, so how big is a unit for a 10-stall barn or a 20-stall? Are there various sizes? Yeah, we have various sizes. We have very large ones, like at a very high-end barn, uh, they uh, uh, fixed two stories for us, you know, up one story higher than normal. And uh, uh, we put in our six model 5000s. These are huge. These are these things could do, uh, very, you know, an amphitheater maybe, but they're very, very large. And they wanted to do that because they wanted very high-quality air. So, uh, but we don't usually do that. For most people that call us, uh, the 300 is a very good m- model, and the 650 is another model. 
we use it. We have a formula that we use to see uh, what size the barn is and what to do, how many units to put in and where to put them. In Bodhi's barn, we used mostly 300s, but Bodhi had a few 5,000s out near where the door is, doorways are, because the horses come in and out and there's a lot of manure there. The idea was when you enter the barn, there's no smell of horses. That's interesting. Wow. So we have some data on this. We have some data on our website uh, at box.us on um, Bodhi's horses, the, uh, their oxygen content before and after air cleaning. Bodhi actually built us a little lab and gave us what we needed for us to do this. Uh, really cool. appreciate it. Yeah, and so we got real data and we put that on the website. But the, uh, the, the point is that we think that the horses... Uh, when their oxygen levels are up, they can perform better. They can get yeah, less that's sick, for sure. Know? And with the ends, with the viruses and stuff out of the air, it's going to help them a lot. But what we did not do, and what we want to do next, is we wanted to um, compare their actual performance, their race times, their workout times, is what we really wanted to do yeah. after this. First, we wanted to show that 30 days in this clean air will improve their oxygen. And that was enough. That was the scope of that work. That was enough work to do to just to get to that point. But, but uh, now we're looking to other um, uh, horse owners uh, and asking them to help us if they, if they are already measuring uh, perform- performance data on horses, we can try to follow that horse and uh, see when their performance is optimum or whether or not they're getting sick or, you know, to see how they're doing. Have you have you tried this scrubber with horses that have COPD? Actually, um, uh, we did. Uh, there's a veterinarian uh, in North Carolina, and uh, uh, he had he owned a mare that was really really having trouble, uh, even doing daily uh, stuff. You know, not even working out or anything, and uh, it helped immediately. Because of course, you know, if you're, you know, you just think about it, just sitting there breathing dirty air, you know. So uh, only on that particular case. This same veterinarian, by the way, just jumped to cats with asthma. He thinks that that's a real big problem. And so, I mean, I just now heard from you about horses with asthma. By the way, this this holds true for all animals and humans, you know. And so, um, actually, that's how Buri and I got to talking about it was athletic performance. Yeah. But. but uh, we're doing a study now when we need everybody's help with dogs with cancer. And what we're doing is we're, we're uh, asking them to have these air scrubbers. And in addition, we're helping them with um, uh, how to stay calm and things like that. If they're nervous, they use up their oxygen. Mm-hmm. It's all about oxygen. And we want their oxygen levels to be up. So if they're nervous, their nerves will use up the oxygen. You know, yep. That's as bad as their liver using it up. Yep. And in addition to that, we have this uh, beverage we made of this special kind of oxygen. It's, it's a reserve oxygen, and we've been trying it on these dogs. So far, we only have had 14 dogs uh, with cancer, and basically they come to this homeopathic doctor when they reach the end stage of their disease, mm-hmm. you know, and then the owners decide whether or not they want to go further. But the ones who've gone further with us have been reporting really good, good uh, responses, but... We, 14 isn't enough. We we we're, we need to recruit like maybe a thousand dogs, you know. Well, we're I think that would be way. pretty 
pretty easy, Sam. Um, if if we can, uh, should somebody with a who's a listener who has a dog that's dealing with cancer just email you from the from your website? Oh, absolutely, and and um, if we, if that alone is good, by the way, because we can work with them just like that. Uh, uh, if they're if they're a veterinarian, that would be good too, because uh, what we'd like to do is we don't have to do this because we already have data showing that, that scrubbing the air will make their health better. So that alone is good, you know. Right. If they want to go further and if they want to actually, because we have a special machine that measures the oxygen, and again, that's on our website. And uh, this machine uh, uh, measures our stored oxygen, our total, total blood oxygen, which is more than what uh, doctors do. You know, when they measure your pulse ox or when they measure the oxygen in your blood, they're not measuring the oxygen that's stored in your blood. They're measuring the oxygen Mm -hmm. that's stored in your red blood cells. Yeah. So uh, we won't go too far into that. But if anybody's interested, we we need help. We are small. And uh, uh, um, we need help, you know. So if we can get okay. people with horses or, or dogs or pets of any kind. So listeners, it's bio, B-I-O, and then O-X dot U-S. Um, that's to send an email to Dr. Sam if you've got a, a dog that's dealing with cancer. If you've got a horse with equine asthma, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Um Will will this scrubber deal with pollen? Oh, absolutely, of course. It'll deal with the. There's just oh, there's two ways that that pollution travels, and one is it is blown by the wind. Yes, it does. Yep. But then there's the lingering, and that's when it requires something like an electrical ground. You know, if you're out in nature and right by a waterfall, that'll be cleaning yeah. your air for you. It's yep. like that, you know. So. Uh, this does both of them. So um, uh, I was in New Mexico during pollen season up in the mountains, and um, uh, my friend's uh, air scrubber, I was uh, helping her clean it, and it was full of yellow pollen, you know, just full. Uh, when you look at it under the microscope, it looks like a crate of eggs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. We can remove mold too, by the way, you know, pollen mold. Um, anything that's in the air, anything that's either an aerosol or not, you know. So you just wa- just imagine a washing machine for air. That is so cool. Do in terms of of maintaining the scrubber system, do you have to replace the enzymes on monthly or bimonthly yes. or? Add, okay. Yeah, you have to add enzymes. You have to add enzymes because the enzymes uh, uh, wear okay, themselves they're the, out. The worker bees. Yeah, they're the worker bees. And, you know, you have to add more enzymes if you have mold, for instance, or if you have viruses, for instance. So uh, we, we recommend to our uh, users what to do. Okay, so for instance, there was the, a little bit of a, a herpes EHV1 outbreak um, in Florida. Um, thankfully, it, you know, it didn't escalate as it could have. But would this... Would your scrubber have handled EHV1? Absolutely. HV1 is much well, easier to handle than, than ammonia. Ammonia is much smaller. HV1 is, is nice. It just, uh, it'll grab it. Not only it'll grab it, but it'll kill it too. We, we've only tested these enzymes on H1N1 virus mm-hmm. and influenza B virus and like five different uh, pathogens. 
and it works on all of them. And the reason it works on all of them is because it's like the planet. It likes to work at room temperature, and it, it kills the things that like to work at body temperature. So it's, it's, uh, it's king of the mountain. If you have more enzymes in there, and they're on their own ground, they're, they're working at their own room temperature, they'll, they'll kill anything that is a pathogen, you know, that wow. likes to work at higher temperatures. And what happens if What's it's this? if it's in the barn, if the scrubber's in the barn and it's, you know, below freezing in the winter? Does that affect it at all? Do you have to maintain well, a, a certain temperature of the unit? Well, it's, uh, we don't, you don't want it to freeze solid, but, you know. Oh, okay. But, but as long as the pump is running, it warms up the system some. And uh, we haven't had a freezing problem in barns. We, they, it, we, they've gotten pretty cold, but... but uh, Getting cold is not a problem, but we don't want icicles in, inside them. <laughs> we don't want the machine to freeze solid, uh, although we have worked outside. Okay. Okay. Oh, Sam, this is so interesting. I, I'm going to move on to Bodhi, who's actually used it. Um, uh, Bodhi, you've used it at your training facility at Fair Hill? Yes. And what, what was your inspiration for wanting to better the air around your horses? Um, I think a lot of it came from just my background as an athlete and how, you know, knowledge of, of how important air is. And, and a lot of it was honestly common sense was like a horse's natural environment is outside. It's not in a stall. It's not standing in its own um, urine for, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of the barns, the, you know, their dirt stalls and the horses have been in there in some cases for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, especially at the racetracks. And I I'd seen it, um, a lot of different times where horses that were more sensitive to things like ammonia, if you moved them to a different racetrack, something newer or a different stall, I always tried to look for the temp stalls that were outside. Um, if I could, because I just felt like that was more logical for the the natural environment of an animal if you take something out of their natural environment and you and and it's you know common sense would tell you that you're you're going to disrupt certain parts of their their you know biological system um you know you can't be shocked when they have different difficult problems or things that are impacting their performance so for me it was kind of a combination of things um and and i also had a lot of things that I wanted to experiment with and test that basically I'd learned about, you know, my own physiology or performance of myself or other human athletes that I thought, you know, if you look genetically and Sam and I can go on to long tangents with this, I'll try to keep it short, but we're not very, we're not very different than horses. Um, right. genetically, you know, are the way we function and all of our stuff. And, um, I just felt like it was ridiculous that everybody thought that a horse was just born fast and that was how they were. And you couldn't really do anything. And you just kind of, um, let them do their thing. And I, I think that they've actually come up with a system that actually does that because they sit in a stall for 23 hours a day or, or thereabouts. And, and then they take them out. And if you did that to a human, you'd have roughly the same thing. You'd have certain athletes who are a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, but you wouldn't really get to be, be getting the best out of those athletes. So I sort of wanted to experiment with everything. And I, I like to start in a logical place, which fundamentally for me is you know, am I, am I hurting this animal, um, unnecessarily by natural, normal processes that I'm putting in place? And is there a way to, to minimize that? And then, and then look more deeply at, at other things, you know, like Sam mentioned the, the, we, we definitely noticed in my barn, 
um, an impact on the, you know, emotional, psychological element of the horses. They were definitely happier, more relaxed. Um, and, and it did improve their, their performance as well. And, you know, like you mentioned a bit there, illnesses, things that are really scary for trainers, you know, you get something going around your barn. Um, it can, it can really be disruptive. And this, this was, um, you know, for me, a very common sense approach. Did you have any, um, any bleeders that you found, you know, maybe didn't need any, didn't need a respirator, didn't need, um, you know, some of the, the bronchial steroids by improving the air? You know, we, I, we weren't racing on Lasix, um, you know, any of the okay. time that I was, that I had my horses, um, you know, with other trainers, some of them absolutely insisted on it. And if I had a bleeder, um, you know, the, it was always outside of my barn in our barn. We didn't have any, um, but you know, again, it, we weren't, we, we didn't do this for, a, you know, 20 years and, you know, I had too many kids and had to kind of back away from it for now. Um, but, but I, I think that, you know, that's been one of my major contentions is that, it's a bit like our, our medical system in general in the U S which is, you know, create a bad situation with a lot of not common sense things and, and, you know, and then treat the, the symptoms of the, of the patient, you know, with yeah. other things that are also bad, but they'd solve one problem, but they caused three more. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, I, I like to try to avoid that, that sort of cyclical, um, process if I can, and just try to, you know, use common sense and, and basic biology to figure out the best solutions. So how did you find Sam? I mean, how did you connect with his scrubber? I was looking for, um, honestly, I was looking for a way to, to filter the air in my, in my barn. Um, and I found, I, I was on the, the magical interweb and I found these and, and, and what I liked about it was, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm sort of a, I'm like a journeyman, uh, amateur, everything, right. Scientist, engineer, uh, <laughs> biologist. And, and I, I just, oh, I love learning stuff. And so I know about a lot of this stuff, just barely enough to be, you know, dangerous probably, but not anywhere near like anyone who's actually smart. But what I did know was that any membrane, any membrane filter systems, they have different weaknesses. And I knew with, you know, 10 minutes of research that they wouldn't impact ammonia really anyway. Um, your best bet for ammonia is just, you know, heavy fans, which a lot of trainers do. And they say, Oh, it keeps the flies away. And that helps. And, you know, sure. All those things are true, but there's also a much better way. And, and, you know, any of those particles have a little, um, you know, an electrical charge. And that's what Sam was referencing. All all those, all those aerosols and particles are electrically charged. And if you can create a, a ground, a negative charge for that, um, you can pull them from a long ways away, especially things like he referenced mold and, um, you know, mold in a barn is, is a, is a killer, I think. And, you know, I would say 90% of the barns that I've been in, you can almost kind of smell it if you know how to smell mold, but common sense would tell you there's just mold in there. I mean, the barns are old, they're outside, they're exposed to tons of moisture. You get black mold or some of that stuff in your walls. Um, if you pull off the siding on barns, you'll find it in almost every single one. And that's, that's just really, you know, between, between ammonia and, and that type of mold, aside from all the particulate matter in the air, you're just, you're just really putting your horses in a, in a bad environment when you're talking about their lungs and they're a, they're an anaerobic, uh, animal and they need to pull massive amounts of air in and out of their lungs. 
And, and you just can't mess with that in my opinion. And like I said, people have treated, they've been treating the, the symptom without really kind of looking at the cause. So how long have you had the, um, the scrubber in, in your barn at Fair Hill? Well, so I sold my barn. I sold my, my barn there, um, a, oh. a few years back. They actually bought the scrubbers. I really was pretty, uh, straightforward with them. I said, look, if you're going to keep, I had a bunch of cool things in there that I thought were really good for my horses. Um, I said, look, if you're going to keep anything, keep the scrubbers. Cause those things are, I have them in my house in California. Um, and that's, you know, just because I, really? I saw, um, Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think every person honestly should have one in their house. They're not expensive. They're really inexpensive to run and maintain. Um, and you'll notice a difference. I mean, at least I do. I mean, I think most people would, depending on what your natural environment is, if you're down here in Costa Rica, maybe you'd notice it less, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't tell you how many people have, have that I've recommended it to have, you know, had, you know, way less allergies, way less, um, asthma. I mean, these are people, the good thing is, and this is where Sam and I always get a good chuckle is, you know, because of the timing of this and because of, um, you know, there are the size of the group and everything. We basically, he's been working with animals and that's great. And you can observe them, but they can't really tell you that much. Um, you know, and, and with people it's exceptional, you know, you put one of these in somebody's house and they can very articulately describe what they feel and how it's impacted them and, you know, sleep quality and just basic everything. I mean, skin and, and hair and everything. It's just, it's pretty, um, it's pretty cool to be able to have, Sign me up. <laughs> I, I I'm laughing. And, and like I'm, I said, like I said, the best the best is that it's a it's a biological system. It's yeah. really kind of we're just kind of repurposing it, right? Instead of a filter, which you know, who knows what what those filters are taking out of the air that are actually helping us to combat the other things that you know we could be filtering out lots of good stuff and and letting bad stuff through. You know, for me, this is a much more logical kind of situation that you know probably creates a little bit more symbiosis than, than a filter system. Have you tried it with, um, you know, not racehorses, but just, you know, regular, regular, you know, performance horses, the, the eventers, the show jumpers, the dressage horses. Have you guys made any inroads in, in the high performance group? Uh, I, I haven't, but generally, I mean, Sam, you can speak to it, but I, I know that the, the general living quarters of those type of horses tend to be a little bit more sophisticated. Um, and I would imagine that, but I I would imagine that it would still have a, a, a giant impact. I mean, from what I saw in practice, I think it would be absolutely useful. And again, there's really no downside at all. Wow. All right. Have you had any reaction from vets? Um, Bodie, when you installed it in your barn, did you get, did they say, are you crazy or did they get on board or? No, no, they, the vets were honestly, they were, they were really psyched and and really kind of, I mean, <laughs> for them, I think they probably know this, but having this type of conversation with your typical trainer who's renting a barn or renting stalls at the racetrack like what why even bother really at that point right i mean they're mm-hmm. it's a it's a big leap from what their general practices are to actually getting to the 
you know, mindset of like, Hey, I should be looking at the air quality of what my animals are, you know, half the, half the trainers or horses are turning over once every couple months. It's like, I mean, it's just, yeah. a, it's a business that's kind of different. Whereas no, when we, when the trainers saw it, they were like, Oh my God, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, and, and yeah, I think it was easy for them to get on board. What, um, you know, what tips would you have to, for our listeners, if they wanted to improve the air quality in their homes and their kennels and the barns and predominantly sport horse barns are very different from a racetrack barn. Um, you know, I'm going to say they're better constructed, there's better airflow, but that doesn't mean that there isn't still air quality problems. So what would, what would Bodie's tips to um, horse lovers, dog lovers, and fellow humans be? I mean, I, I think, you know, and this is more or less what I did in my barn. I got a few big ones for the main areas that, that scrubbed the, you know, the, the bigger areas. And then I start, I, I, I morphed through the process and ended up getting smaller ones more or less for each stall. Um, and it's kind of, you know, I don't think it would probably be overkill, but the irony is the horses and dogs and people all like the sound of running water. I mean, mostly what's your sound machine make, right? It's either rain mm-hmm. or some kind of sprinkling water or white noise. And, um, the horses really seem to like it as well. Um, and, and so that I, and I would say that's, that's the extent of my advice really is, you know, fans, good airflow, natural airflow, and then, and then these to, to sort of mitigate the situation that we're putting our horses in, uh, by keeping them boxed up in a small space. And when, when you, um, when your, your grooms were tacking up and even though your horses were probably very, very clean, um, it, is the scrubber able to pick up even those particles of dirt and dust that, yeah, Come that's part of the study that's on the that's on the site is that okay. Sam had it on there. We had we had little uh, monitors, little particulate matter monitors that were monitoring uh, the particulate matter in the in the air, just in common spaces and in stalls in the barn. And we got to watch as that decreased uh, over wow. the over the course of the time when the 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 scrubbers were installed. Wow. Well, Dr. Sam and Bodie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a bunch, guys. We will put a link to bioox.us in the notes. Hello. 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 Hello, Hetty. How's she going? Everyone is well, I pray. Everyone is well. We have a theme on today's show. Yes. Wellness. We do. Well, beyond that, yeah. our, our theme today is um, breathing is our theme. So oh. we thought today that we would find out from Hedwig what Hedwig's favorite and least favorite odors are. Because dogs, oh. as we all know, are very very tuned in to what things smell like. If you could just wait a moment, I have to beat the servant back. She's trying to talk and you know, I hate it when she does that. Hang on. I just have to get her into control. She's saying something about gaseous blasts from tiny dog butts. Hold on. Hold on. I've got her. I've got, I've got her down now there. She's on the ground. I've got her under control. Okay, perfect. So 
Ah, my favorite smell? Hmm, probably it is when other makes the bacon. I love the bacon. It is the most beautiful smell. Beautiful bacon. But also, I love the dead things. I like to smell them and find them and roll in them and cover myself in beautiful green slime war paint. And then bring the war paint home and wipe it on the couch. <laughs> so you like so you like to bring your smells home with you and keep them indoors. Exactly. It's like scratch and sniff. Only first I sniff and then I scratch myself in it. So are are there particular dead things that are more appealing than other dead things? I prefer my dead things to be green and a little squishy. Like green and squishy like a reptile or green and squishy like rotten? Oh, rotten. Rotten. So are... I have to give it to the dead fish. They're not really green, but stenchy. Oh, beauty fish. I would not have thought of dead fish. That's very interesting. Where do you find dead fish? When we go visit (laughs) the grandfather servant, he has the dead fish. Uh, he has a lake. Are there? I mean, it's not his lake, but there are dead fish. Are there certain wonderful dead smells that are appropriate for consuming or oh, only rolling yes. in? Well, I am pretty well interested in rolling and rolling and rolling and getting my little face all green and black and slimy. And then I like to take a bone and I gallop away with my stench and my bone. And then I hold my bone in my little paws and I chunk, 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 chunk down on that bone. And then my brother, who is, you know, a goblin and therefore larger than I am, will take a whole rib cage or something and drag it around. And then I just take bits of his when he's done. I see. So he's a very messy eater. Yes, that's ha- that happens sometimes. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. those are some of your favorite smells. Are there some things that, some smells or odors that just you don't care for at all? Yes. Anything involving cleaning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Windex or Formula 409 or the green detergent thing that she uses to clean the floor, Murphy's, ugh, whatever. Um, the, the stuff to clean the bathroom, anything for cleaning. I don't like the smell of show sheen. I object to mane and tail. Cowboy magic makes me nauseous. Shampoo. Oh, what a disaster. So if they could just come up with a dead fish scented shampoo, that might be, you'd be right down You'd be in like Flynn. But why would you want shampoo? See, this is the thing. You're coated in dead fish. You don't need shampoo. You're good. Hmm. Gotcha. Well, thank you very much for that um, visual, Hedwig. And we appreciate you spending a little time with us today. Now, you have a great week. And now it's time for the Breed of the Show. So we are at the Breed of the Show part of our program. And I love this time of year so much because I sit outside and just enjoy nature. I don't really watch a ton of television. I like to just sit outside. And I realized that 
I had been watching a bunch of fun little birds. And, um, you know, I'm in uh, more northern Texas, and there's some birds, of course, that I recognize. But what what prompted me to <laughs> to, to do this um, instead of like a regular breed was that there's just been this adorable little bird that keeps showing up. And I was absolutely certain it was a woodpecker, a tiny woodpecker, a very small woodpecker, but did some kind of different cute things. So that's what prompted me for this. And what really um, was so interesting is that it is not a woodpecker. It is called a nuthatch. And there's a bunch of different types of nuthatches. We have tons of nuthatches in Virginia. Okay. That's so, that's so awesome. Because I, I have to tell you, I'm sure I've seen them, but I've never recognized them um, at all in any way. Yeah. In what they are. And um, so, and I I had asked a friend of mine if they were a woodpecker because they look so much like a woodpecker, but what's so cute about them is that, okay, well, so how you can attract them is just regular, you know, like I'm just, I just have regular bird seed up, but they really like um, larger seeds um, um, like sunflower seeds and, um, you know, stuff like that. So I just get the normal, like kind of mix and they love it. But what's so cute is they go and they get it and then they'll go either on the, the little bird feeder I have or on the bark and they're, they perch upside down. Have you ever seen them? And it's just kind of the cute, they're cute as they can be. And they're just known for like doing that at like different odd angles and positions. And it's kind of, it's really kind of cool. Um, and it, you know, they, uh, apparently, um, like there's obviously the males and the females and they, they, there's all sorts of dynamics within, um, the, uh, their little bird lives. But what I also thought was kind of interesting is that the, the male spends most of the time looking for predators um, and I guess it's the females and I, I think the males probably do it too, but it, the females are the ones that are known for sort of hanging upside down on trees. So I just thought that was kind of cool. So in the midst of me doing this, one of my favorite all-time birds came by and they're obviously very big here and very big in Virginia is a cardinal. Oh yeah. Big, beautiful red. And obviously there's tons of different types of cardinals, which I did not know. I mean, too many to mention, but um, again, I just thought they were kind of fascinating. And as I was sitting there and listening, cause you know, sit on the porch, you hear all the bird, birds talking and you know, whatever I realized it's the Cardinals that are out there. Um, singing. it's the state and bird I, of Virginia. It is actually Tigger. It's the state bird for, um, a lot of States. Um, I, I think I saw it was like up to like seven different states have really? it as a state bird, which I didn't, I didn't know wow. yeah, I, do that. Yeah, I didn't think they could. Yeah, so, only I mean, one bird per state, please. That's, <laughs> what <I thought. laughs> that's what I thought. But apparently that's a thing. You can check you can check check that out. So kind of cool fact. Apparently the female sings while sitting on the nest, and this may actually signal the male to go get some food so it's like takeout yes. yeah it's like takeout um it's instacart and- <laughs> yeah exactly. it's instacart for cardinals yeah um but it's also kind of cool because they apparently share song phrases um 
And usually the female sings longer and uh, slightly more complex than the male. Because I had noticed last year. No surprise. (laughs) Yeah, I I wasn't going to go there, Tig. You took that out of my mouth. But I just thought that was kind of kind of interesting um, because if you again, there's a distinct sound, um, and it's very easy. You can Google cardinals, and they will tell you what you you can listen to what the sounds are. It's kind of cool. Um, but one little last sort of interesting fact that sort of has nothing to do with anything, but it has been recorded that they found a female cardinal that was 15 years old. Now, what do they do? Like, That's like, wow. check out my ring she had on her legs or something? How do you do that? I, I don't, but that was, that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. The aging right? of I the mean, beak. I, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. How long are the beak? Are. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, oh. It just like a little bit of a, a tidbit. Um, but last but not least, and this is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite is the woodpecker. Oh, the actual which, woodpecker. Which kind? Well, the ones that I've been seeing here, they're called the downy. And again, there's tons and oh, tons of different so types. so cute. Oh. Well, they look very similar to a nuthatch, which kind of led me to this whole but exploration. But not the same color at all. Um, no, they can look similar, at least, at least up here in Northern, because I was like kind of surprised because initially I thought the little nuthatch, because there's tons of different types of nuthatches, the ones that are here in Northern Texas, like I said, I thought it looked like a woodpecker, but, but smaller. Um, and to attract them, um, I, we have some here. I ha- I wasn't specifically trying to attract them. I only knew they were woodpeckers cause I could hear them, but they like, they prefer, um, I don't think I'm going to say this right. This suet feeders. Suet, yeah, how do you suets, say that? Yeah. Suet feeders and like millet and they like sunflowers. So that's kind of cool. Um, also another little cool little tidbit. Um, woodpeckers will actually drink out of hummingbird feeders. Really? I don't know that. Yeah. Did not know that either. Um, but they also like, they like small insects and stuff like that. Cause I, you know, I, 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 obviously people know the woodpeckers are the ones that make the tapping noise and I can hear the tapping noise and I've seen them in the trees here. Kind of an interesting tid- tidbit. When I was in Florida, I was riding in a, a metal covered arena. One of the last couple of days I was there and I kept hearing this sound and it was a woodpecker on the metal roof. Not cool guys. Not cool. When you're riding a young horse, just want to put that out there. Not cool. Yeah. Never had heard it except one day. So anyway, um, but so, uh, apparently woodpeckers don't sing, so they don't really make noises like all the, you know, these guys that I listen to, but of course you can hear them tapping on the, <laughs> either on a roof or on a tree. So I, I just encourage anybody to go out and uh, like, what I did is I took a picture of, um, well, the nuthatch and, some of the other birds that had little finches that kind of come and make lovely noises too. And just been starting to really kind of, I don't know, that's sort of my TV at night. I go out and I listen to all these different birds and I loved, I love, you know, feeding them and watch what they do. But um, it's like, uh, you know, it's a whole different, you know, show. If you guys have nut hatches, you can see them hang upside down in your yeah, trees. It's and just hysterical. And I didn't know, I, Tigger, I had never heard of them until um, I had never. And seen I like them. the and I'm way sure they could walk down a tree. 
Oh, it's, 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 it's adorable. And it's like, when I was like researching this, there's like all these videos of them going up and down the trees and just hanging there. It just, it's, it's fascinating. So I encourage anybody who's listening to the show to go out, get with nature, take some pictures of some birds and um, figure out, you know, what they are. It's, it was a, a lot of fun doing this. And as long as you don't live in bear country, you know, some feeders, I started yes. with one. I now have eight. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so funny because they are so but even even better plant one. yourself a wildflower meadow and let I mother nature feed them too. for you there you go well only the, there's certain certain birds won't, won't eat that i mean those are good for pollinators um well, but if you, if you plant things that get seeds they're going to you get you gotta like, plant your sunflowers like sun, and plant sun, your sunflower. flax yes. and plant your yes. sorghum and yeah there you go. Yeah, Pretty I'll cool. tell you what. Sunflowers seem to be the, the the biggest hit with most different types of birds. But yeah. how much fun? I mean, just how much fun. So anyway, that was that was just an enjoyable enjoyable thing. And so I'm gonna buy. I will have more by the end of the summer. Different types. Yay! Of birds. Yay! Now we're at Critter Nutrition, and we're going to focus on quercetin for horses. This is part one. Part two will be in the next episode of Healthy Critters. Um, one evening, I decided to stroll down the internet aisles looking at quercetin supplements for horses. What I found surprised me. Not only were the forms of quercetin not advanced in terms of bioavailability, but the dosage was only suitable for humans, not horses. This is a common problem among supplement products for humans and animals. One or several recognizable or popular ingredients are added to a formula to increase customer interest, but the amounts on the label often are not enough to provide efficacy. Quercetin is a potent flavonoid found in various foods. Flavonoids were discovered in 1936 when American biochemist was researching ways to treat scurvy. He won the 1937 Nobel Prize in Physiology for his discoveries of ascorbic acid. I first became acquainted with quercetin in the late 1980s when several human supplement companies began using it as an ingredient. At that point, not as much was known about its powerful properties. It has since become a research hotspot, particularly for its antioxidant activity. What does quercetin do? Quercetin is a versatile antioxidant, providing protective abilities, anti-inflammatory support, gastroprotective support, and the inhibition of histamine. Quercetin benefits horses by acting as an immune modulator. It is helpful for horses with allergies, Lyme disease, and EPM. Reducing the histamine response, which is very important for horses with allergies. Reducing lung inflammation which can benefit horses with asthma. It can be beneficial for horses that need respiratory support during hot weather and in periods of intense training or competition. It provides gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal protection against oxidative stress and inflammation. Studies have shown that quercetin can help with inflammatory bowel disease. 
It supports the gut microbiota diversity and acts as a prebiotic for gut dysbiosis. It reduces the reactive oxygen species caused by environmental and toxicological factors. It can support the strengthening of the antioxidant defense systems in the body. Reduction of oxidative stress levels can help optimize sports performance and recovery. Quercetin is found in various foods such as apples, onions, dark cherries, grapes, raspberries, citrus fruits, brassica vegetables, tea, and tomatoes, as well as the medicinal botanicals ginkgo biloba, the Japanese pagoda tree, and sambucus. In the next episode of Healthy Critters, we'll get into the bioavailability and dosage for quercetin in horses. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs> <laughs>